Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Across the country, officials in red states and blue states are considering creating new programs to trap carbon in their forests in exchange for cash. See, trees are a huge weapon in the fight against climate change because they absorb carbon, but they're constantly being threatened by development, logging, or industry. So states are creating these carbon offset programs where they take in cash from companies. In return, they protect their local trees. States get richer, and companies can say they're working to be more carbon neutral. The growth of these programs is the latest sign that the public sector is trying to fill private sector demand for emissions reductions. But how effective are these programs in practice, and how are states balancing environmental and industry interests? Today, Politico's Jordan Woolman on how red and blue states are seeing green in their forests. It's Tuesday, April 25th. So I think, you know, first and foremost, this is a new revenue stream. These are state lands, state forests that can be monetized for these states. Companies are sort of racing to meet their net zero commitments and claim that they're carbon neutral, and this is a way for them to do that. And so here you have companies willing to pay up to sort of lock up these state lands for carbon offset programs. So I think both blue and red states do really see the monetary and financial value in these carbon offset programs. I would say there's a needle to thread here where blue states are also looking at the potential environmental benefits that locking up their state forests can provide. It could be a win-win for the environment and the economy and these state budgets and getting a new revenue stream, but there are definitely political obstacles and other complications that we can certainly get into as well. Yeah, you report that. So, of course, the corporate appetite for carbon offsets is showing no signs of slowing. But as lawmakers are figuring out kind of how to capitalize on that in red and blue states, there's similar tensions playing out that could block consensus. So what do you mean by that? There are two key parts here for a carbon offset program to potentially work. One is so-called additionality, which is to say that the environmental benefits or the carbon removal benefits that trees provide wouldn't have happened otherwise without the project, without someone paying for this project. Otherwise, these state lands could just sit there, continue to soak up carbon, and there's no other additional benefit than what would already exist. So that's part one additionality. Part two would be the timeline. I think environmentalists generally argue that you would want a project to last for at least 100 years to have meaningful benefits. And so there's a needle to thread here because there are also the economic sort of realities here that landowners may not want to lock up their land for, I don't know, 5, 10, 20 years, much less maybe 100 years. So you want the project to happen. You want that additionality to occur, but you want the timelines to also be meaningful. And so there's a tension there where a landowner may not want to lock up that land. And so what's that value worth? And speaking of value, I I guess that's the other thing I would add here, which is that the cost of carbon right now in the voluntary market is low very low, about $2 a ton right now. So that's not going to be much of an incentive to a landowner who may say, hey, I can make more money just logging this forest as I would have done otherwise. I'll make more money doing that than accept this sort of carbon offset deal 
and maybe make less money. And from the state perspective, maybe the state would make less money than reaping sort of tax dollars off of the logging industry, the timber industry. So there's a lot of tensions here at play. I think the jury's still out, whether policymakers can thread this needle here and incentivize people to come on board, not for the environmental benefits, but to bring in people who are just interested in making money. And as a byproduct of that, you get the environmental benefits. So I think the jury's still out whether those tensions can be resolved. Interesting. And of course, there's debate among environmentalists if carbon offset projects actually work. So what are their concerns and how are we seeing the environmental perspective play out as as some of proposals work out in various states? Again, I think these additionality and timeline concerns are the main issues here. There was an interesting case in Washington state where there was a bill that would have established a carbon offset program. And environmentalists were initially on board with it. They thought that projects were going to be required to be at least 125 years. And so they were sort of comfortable with that bill. But the timber industry was not. They had big concerns about being locked out of land. And also counties had concerns because taxes derived from the timber industry in Washington state go towards school districts. So there were concerns that, okay, if you're locking out timber production, our school district is going to suffer from reduced revenue. There were then amendments made to sort of satisfy the timber industry. And that turned environmentalists off. And so they actually flipped positions there. And so the bill died because there was no consensus. So I think that's a great representation of the issues at play here and the political stickiness on this issue. Interesting. And, you know, of course, you know, not all states are rushing to do carbon offset projects or expressing interest in them. So, you know, for states who who might be sitting out right now, what, what are some concerns that those states might have? So I think it's threading this needle here between getting landowners interested, but also creating the environmental benefits to make it worthwhile. We don't want companies to just claim net zero, rely on these carbon offsets that aren't producing additional benefits to the environment. So it's sort of a, an interesting case study as to which way states will lean here. If they're forced to sort of choose sides, they're going to go for the environmental benefits with strict standards, or they're going to go more toward the industry side and maybe having looser additionality and timeline standards. In Alaska, the governor is getting involved and has proposed bills in the legislature this session to establish carbon offset programs. And I spoke to the Department of Natural Resources commissioner in Alaska, and he told me outright, they are seeing this in-state demand from oil and gas giants like ExxonMobil and ConocoPhillips, who want to reap the benefits, who want to make those net zero claims, and are showing interest in buying up portions of Alaskan forests to achieve their, their carbon reduction goals. So I think there's a lot of players in here. There's a lot of powerful industry players in here. Environmental groups certainly have the ear of lawmakers as well. I think that those tensions are still being resolved in real time. Also, President Joe Biden will veto a resolution from Congress to undo his two-year pause on new solar import tariffs from four Southeast Asian countries if that resolution reaches his desk. That's what the White House announced on Monday, as lawmakers in the House are expected to vote on that resolution later this week. The White House also said the president does not intend to extend the tariff suspension when the 24-month period ends in June 2024. The effort by House lawmakers has prompted fear among some in the solar industry, who say undoing the pause would put companies on the hook for more than $1 billion in retroactive tariffs and cancel projects crucial to hitting Biden's climate targets. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. 
Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Thank you.